Welcome to episode 30, Triple Achies, <laughs> here at Pop Cold X. <laughs> so good to be back with you guys. Um, we're so happy to have you joining us today, yesterday, tomorrow. And yeah, so make sure you follow us, subscribe, just, you know, go attack our social media. Not attack, but go gently console it and make it feel better <laughs> i'm your host daniel and with me always of course is gabriel and yeah so how has your week been game since you last time uh, it's been really busy um been you know watching some television some movies um listening to some cool music um i uh, haven't really, I mean, I'm trying to think of like, if any, there were any standouts when it came to any shows, um, that I've been watching or movies, uh, I haven't really been able to sit down and watch anything really good. I, I tend to watch things to just help me relax that I've seen multiple times. <laughs> um, so nothing really new or newsworthy for me. Uh, anything that you've watched recently that is new and yeah, I saw one cool thing, but before I talk about that, it's just something that you just said that you tend to watch things that comfort you. So the things that you've seen a lot. And I, I tend to follow in that pattern where there's so many new stuff that I want to go watch, but I end up watching a show or a movie that I've seen like 50, 70 times right. just because I know it's going to happen. You know, I could have it there. It's like a good friend. Yeah. So it's just, it just sparked that memory for me about that. So that's so true. And I'm sure everyone else does that. They have to, because yeah. it's like, you know, who else are you going to listen to for an hour and a half while you're what sorting your comic books or I don't know. I, no, that's me. Like up until 1 a.m. trying to alphabetize all my comics. It's ridiculous. I, I can't. Like, if I were to move my camera, I, I can't walk around my room right now because there's like 16 boxes of comics. Like I'm open. Oh, like it's 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 a problem. <laughs> it's a problem. Hi, I'm Gabe, and I have a comic book problem. I'm older now. <laughs> we're gonna get you on the hoarder yeah. show. <laughs> well, the one thing that I did watch was on HBO Max, and it was the new Brittany Murphy um, What Happened documentary. Mm -hmm. And now everyone probably knows about what happened to her because it's such a tragic story and how she passed away at such a young age. I think she was 32 wow. when she passed away in 2009. And yeah, it just – the documentary really just highlighted every – that we knew and they interviewed a lot of people that were that were covering the case at the time you know they interviewed the coroner coroner yeah. they interviewed <laughs> like the forensic pathologist who did the autopsy and and they interviewed um Brittany Murphy's husband and uh not her husband her husband's mom and brother because the husband of course passed away five months after yeah. um but it's just such a sad tragic story she was she was a delight to watch on the screen mm -hmm. And I remember from like Clueless where that was like her feature film debut and then to all her other stuff um, that she acted in. And it was just, you know, it really was a life cut short. Yeah, I, just, I was a really big fan of hers for Clueless, obviously. Um, and then Girl Interrupted. Uh, on, mm -hmm, I mean, mm -hmm. there were so many good movies that she was in, The Ramen Girl. Um, she was just definitely, I think, like she was – gonna be like the next you know big starlet i mean she already was in so mm -hmm. many ways but uh she was just gonna get that much bigger um and it's really sad but i i think she the the way she died apparently was due to mold and complications to mold right well 
Well, yes and no. I mean, so the way the documentary laid it out was they interviewed the forensic pathologist and they, the lady said that they found no mold spores in her lungs. Mm -hmm. So they ruled mold out as the cause of death. So what they, why they said pneumonia was that she had been sick for a while and that she never got treated and her immune system was down and they found all sorts of prescription medicines in her, I guess, over the counter stuff and also prescribed stuff just to try and fight whatever illness she had. But that had she seen a doctor a week, a day before she passed, she might still be with us today. Hmm. So it really made me mad at the husband because he was like, not to use the term loosely, but a Svengali of her. He really controlled every aspect of her life from controlling her email, controlling phone, controlling who had access to her. And it just really, I was, I don't want to say I was happy that he died five months after, but I think karma caught up with him. Wow. Well, how did and, she die? Uh, similar circumstance. Hmm. He got sick in the house and he passed away there. So th that's why people thought it was mold yeah. because they did show, they did talk about that. But the, like I said, the pathologist said that there was no mold spores in her body at all. So that's science, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I think that, you know, with human nature, we want to sensationalize things and like, okay, did mm -hmm. was she murdered? Was it some sort of right insidious you know some plan but it's like no sometimes people just die and it's not like black or white sometimes it's not a clear cut case of you know this is what killed mm -hmm. him and it's just like it's sad but it's not like an evil act like no one you know yeah. it just it is what it is so it's, that's unfortunate that's really sad so yeah it it really is and i don't know it's just sad yeah. i mean that's the only thing you can say about it I, I didn't feel happy after watching i didn't answer like any of my questions really that i had about mm -hmm. it about her case but it just really it kind of leaned towards you know just i don't want to say painting the husband in a negative light no. but just really showed the world for what he was and who he was and i guess that her friends at some point had to try to an intervention with her to try and show look your husband's a felon he has all these arrest warrants he has all this stuff and she was like well i don't believe it i believe simon wow and it's just you know it's, he really got into there and into her under her head and in her head and it's just <sighs> unfortunate what are you gonna do? yeah that's too bad yeah. but on a brighter note did anything <laughs> else that was maybe a little bit more uplifting or happy yes mm -hmm. what was that um, well, I spoke about it last week. It was the TV show on Apple Plus called Acapulco. Yeah. Now, I know, I think you finally got a chance to see it. And I'm curious to hear your thoughts on the show. So something that that was interesting is that I think people are saying if you're a fan of uh, what's the playlist show that people are comparing it to? Uh, Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist because Austin Winsberg is also the showrunner for oh, Okay, yeah. So I didn't know what the connection was. I, I thought that it was because it was like a musical show. So initially I was like, <laughs> uh, no, I'm not going to watch a musical show. But I was like, okay, let me watch it. Everyone's saying it's great. And I'm really glad I did I did because I, I, I went into it not really knowing that much about it. Um, and mm -hmm. it's such a fun, happy show. It's uh, very, you know, it, it has a heart. It's 
uh, very funny. It's very bright and colorful. And for those that haven't watched it, it's basically the story of this very successful man played by Eugenio Derbez, who is on his birthday telling his nephew like his life story in a, in a sense and mm-hmm. um, how he grew up in Acapulco in the shadow of this like great resort that was a beacon of hope for a lot of the people who were, you know, maybe in poverty or maybe just not rich. And it was their way to like this glamorous, you know, lifestyle. And um, through, you know, some obstacles, he's able to get a job there. And then it's sort of how the, the plot plays out. And it's sort of like the coming and goings of this resort um, the owner being like an, an 80s cheesy actress, uh, you know, the main <laughs> workout video, yeah, the main protagonist <laughs> being sort of like this, like, uh, I don't know if he's kind of goofy, but just like uh, uh, well-intentioned, like naive kind of young man who's starting to see mm-hmm. the world for what it is. And um, his best friend, who's hilarious. And uh, yeah. his mom who like is sort of wary of him going into that that industry because she thinks that it's like sin and you know nothing good is going to come out of it his sort of like feminist punk rock sister a lot of really good characters a lot of characters that kind of defy stereotypes which i love seeing like mm-hmm. mexican characters that are not like one note um stereotypes and so i really like that um one of the like sort of scene stillers are um they have performers that um sing spanish versions of 80s songs so um the theme song or i I think kind of like the unofficial theme song is vacacion which is the spanish version of the (laughs) go-go's um vacation song and um i just love it it's so it's so much fun like hearing these these pop songs sung in spanish with like that Spanish twist, like a little bit of like the Tropicalia, you know, rhythms and beats to it. And um, the two actors that play it, like do a really good job of bringing that resort Mm -hmm. 80s vibe um, to the show. And they're sort of like the, the, I mean, literally the soundtrack to the show. Um, It's available on on Spotify and I've been listening to it and it's, it's just like really great to hear these old songs from the 80s when I was a kid um, with like that Spanish twist. So it's a little bit different hearing it in spanish but it's a lot of fun and brings back a lot of good memories yeah definitely i think every time the lounge singers i guess for lack of a better Mm -hmm. term for them were on the on the um on screen they stole it for me they were like that's where my attention went i wanted to hear it and when i saw that they did release the soundtrack on apple music and spotify and probably other streaming platforms i was thrilled i was like i can go listen to it and every time i click next to the next song i was like oh wow they did this song and then the next song came on oh wow they did this song i was like hey uptown girl i was like wow it's so cool you know and i was just like <laughs> just listening to them and just hearing the the um knowing the songs that the English versions of them, but then hearing them in Spanish, it took it to a whole different level. So it was really cool. Yeah. It was really cool to hear that. And, and yeah, like, like you said, all the characters in there, they bring different nuances to um, the screen. And one of the part that had me cracking up the most was when um, the main character, Maximo, his sister and his mom went out to like a record store 
And then they found that the record store owner used to be an old fling of the mom. But she and he told her, you can have any any record you want on me. And the daughter gives the mom a Judas Priest album and said, oh, yeah, it's it's like holy and stuff like that because yeah. she was very religious. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, you know, Judas Priest album is not going to be that. So it was just I just laughed about that. Yeah. Um, on a side note, um, I, I see Rob Halford or I used to see him all the time in, in Hillcrest here in San Diego. Did, did you ever see him uh, okay. in San Diego? No, I couldn't say that I did. What's that? I wouldn't say that I did see him. No, you. so you didn't? <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I guess, yeah, I did not, <laughs> just to be more <laughs> straightforward. <laughs> yeah, <that's, laughs> yeah he, I, I used to see him hang out at, like, there's, like, a, a bakery right on the corner, um, like, I think close to, like, Fifth Avenue that – that uh, I used to see him a lot. I think he might have moved to Arizona, but anyway, I'm getting off track. But uh, little <laughs> side note of like San Diego trivia is that I used to see uh, Rob Halford like hanging out in San Diego. But um, we're actually very go. fortunate to have had um, one of the stars of Acapulco um, join us on our podcast. And so um, we had Rosana De Leon, who plays one of the singers on the show. Um, join us and we had a little uh, little talk here so um, why don't we go ahead and play that for our audience and um, listen to our conversation with Rosana. We are joined today by an actress, singer, and someone who you might recognize if you're smart enough to watch Apple TV's newest hit show Acapulco. We're joined by Rosana de Leon. Did I say that? Rosana. Right? Rosana. Okay. <laughs> Bienvenido. <Yeah. laughs> Thank Welcome you. Welcome to the show. Muchas gracias. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> so, we're so happy to have you. Thank you so much. Yay. Tell us a little bit more about yourself. How did you get started in acting? Was it something that you've always wanted to do? Was it something that, you know, you just kind of fell into or tell us a little bit of your story there. Well, since I was a little girl, I always said, and I always told my mom, that I wanted to be a singer. Okay. <laughs> I told her I wanted to be, I, I was gonna, I was gonna become Britney Spears, the Mexican Britney Spears. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how it started. And then my parents thought, well, this is just like something she likes right now. It's like her mm -hmm, little mm -hmm. girl's dream, whatever. <laughs> but then I kept growing up and it never changed. So I started, um, dancing lessons and singing lessons when I was really young. At 13, I was already singing and dancing, like taking classes and everything. Nice. Yes. And then when it came the time to pick a, choose a career or what I wanted to like study, like mm -hmm. go to school for and have a career. Um, my mom told me that I should study music or something like that. And when I realized what, it, what, it took, I was like, <laughs> I don't think music <laughs> is my thing. I don't know. It was complicated and it was not what I wanted to do. I wanted to perform and I wanted to mm -hmm. become uh, like, that's when I realized that acting was part of what I wanted to do because oh, I, cool. I love being on stage and performing. So I enrolled into the performing arts um, how do you say licenciatura in English? <laughs> like my career, the... The institute or something. Uh, yeah, no, but like like uh, the high level study. 
Okay, like the <laughs> college or university or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The university. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot the word university. Yeah. And I, I studied performing arts. And then um, that's where I met my husband, who's an actor as well. Oh, and we we decided to move to Mexico City to start working on the business, like in a more professional way. Mm-hmm. And that's where I could like mix what I love doing, which is theater, musical theater, which was the first thing I did when I came here. I got to do musical theater, which involved cool. singing, dancing, mm-hmm. acting. So I was so happy. Yeah. <laughs> and then <laughs> I got to know the the industry of, of movies and television here because it's huge in Mexico. Mm-hmm. And I fell in love with it. I started wor- working in casting uh, as a side job, you know. Oh, okay. <laughs> as, okay. As an, as an actor, you have to, I mean, instead of being a, a waitress, I was right. in casting. <laughs> <laughs> And that, that's still in the industry. So, hey, it's the right way, right? Exactly. Yeah, it helped me a lot. And I fell in love with the camera, which I didn't. I didn't have a lot of experience mm-hmm. in that area. So it was cool. And that's how everything took me to Acapulco. It, it, I was like preparing myself for this. <laughs> <laughs> right on. <laughs> yeah. Well, congratulations. The show is a hit. We we love it. I, I mm-hmm. just have seen the, the very few episodes, but um, the thing that I love about the show is that it's just a fun show to watch. <laughs> and your character in particular brings the music and mm-hmm. the adds to the ambience of the show. It takes place during the 80s for those of our audience members that, that haven't watched it yet. Um, and so it's it just puts a smile on my face when I'm watching it. It's such a happy-go-lucky, yeah. fun show. And so congratulations for getting a really good role on it where you can combine your love of acting and music. Um, for, for those that aren't familiar with your character, tell us a little bit about her. Well, the name of my character is Adriana and she's one of the two singers who sing by the pool. And they were, they were not written like we did them. <laughs> <laughs> okay the, yeah those two were like more of a background thing more of a they were musicians and they were supposed to be like like really into what they're doing but not really good at it mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that was the original idea but then Rodrigo Urquidi which plays Augusto and I uh-huh. came together and we were like are they sure this is what they want? Maybe we should just think of something else that we know how to do. And he's a musical theater actor as well. So we made uh, like, <laughs> we like, I don't know how to say it. We um, made an executive decision. No, <laughs> <laughs> that sounds too official. Yeah. We just made like a, a, a creative a, choice, <laughs> a creative proposal. Like, this is like something we can do. And uh-huh. they were like, yeah, just try, try whatever you want to do. And we'll, we'll tell you if it works or if it doesn't. And the first song we recorded was True. And we were, we recorded it. And then we, when we were shooting, we were like, okay, this is the, the moment they're going to actually see what we created. <laughs> and we started dancing and making these faces and, 
just like performing our hearts out. And I remember Austin Waynesburg, <laughs> the producer. <laughs> right. After like we were walking to our to our green room and Austin Waynesburg turned to me and he said, you rock. Like to my face, <laughs> you rock. That's and I was awesome. like, okay, so I think we did great. <laughs> <laughs> I almost fainted. I mean, it was Austin Waynesburg. And right. I'll never forget that day. And I think that's why Augusto and Adriana became what they are now. And you have an official soundtrack and it, mm-hmm. it became mm-hmm. just like a, like a huge deal after... Rodrigo and I got to work together and and create these two characters, which were not thought that way. But now it's awesome, and I'm so happy. Yeah, I've, I've actually been listening to the songs on Spotify. Um, mm-hmm. There's the soundtrack is available, and and again for those that aren't aware, they're actually '80s rock song covers and pop songs and espanol yeah and and um i i have a favorite but i'm curious to know of, of the songs that you sang that you covered is there one in particular that you kind of love performing or you love to, love to record i mean each time we had a new one it was like this one's my favorite no no this <laughs> one's my favorite but now that i listen to the whole soundtrack um walking on sunshine was my favorite one because the the lyrics in Spanish and the just the process of singing it in Spanish and making it my own because I'm the lead in that song, mm-hmm. it was so exciting and people really loved it in Spanish. So it was great. It was so funny. But I don't know. Va- vacation is also on the top <laughs> because it's it's the song that represents Acapulco. I mean, mm, that's true. Yeah, that that song, uh, if, when I listen to it, I can't stop thinking about the pink hotel. <laughs> <laughs> so I would understand why people would love that one. But I don't know. Tell me your, your favorite one. Gabe. So for me, I, I so like you, I, I was listening to it. I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe they covered this. This is the best one. And then I got to the, the next, next one. one. <laughs> so at first, my favorite was um, Rocky Like a Hurricane. That was my favorite. And then I heard the cover of Twisted Sister. And that just took me back to when I was a little kid and, you know, being rock and telling my parents, oh, I'm not going to take it anymore. So that, that's my favorite now. That Because it just reminds me of when I was a kid and, you know, being a little, you know, wannabe rock star. <laughs> that, was a, that was actually the most fun I had when performing because they were like you have to go nuts because i can tell you because it would be a spoiler but there's a purpose for each song yeah yeah so this song when we go wild (laughs) there's a reason why (laughs) and so it was a lot of fun like it was insane yeah and that's what i really liked about your character and rodrigo's character is that the music is what really drove the plot and the storyline. So you guys were like, are the soundtrack of the whole show. And like with this past episode that just came out when you did Eye of the Tiger and the whole training montage. And that was just, it took me back to the Rocky movies. And it was just like my favorite of the moment is that one right now. I'll wait till the rest of them come out in the further episodes to find my new favorite. But um, it's just so enjoyable. I had a question about that though. Did you... 
How familiar were you with these songs in English before you recorded them in Spanish? Did you know it? Did you know them? Or was it just like you learned them in Spanish? I knew most of them. Okay. Um, one that I didn't know at all <laughs> that I'm surprised <laughs> right now, since now I know it's really famous is Vacation. Okay. Uh -huh. I, I didn't know it at all. I was like, what is this? <laughs> and then in Spanish, it was like the, the words didn't make sense, but because they took some creative, creative liberties uh, as yeah. to make the song sound as you were, as you would hear it in English. So yes. in Spanish, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. some things don't make sense, but it sounds similar to the English version. So they kept it like that. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. I know <laughs> so for, for vacacion, that's what happened. It was like, what? I don't understand. <laughs> This doesn't make sense. But then when I heard the actual song, I was like, oh, that's why they kept it like that. Okay. okay. I understand. But most of them I knew. I mean, Wonderful Tonight was one oh, of the no. songs that I was like, I can't believe I didn't know more about this song because I knew it because of Friends. <laughs> <laughs> because of Monica's and Chandler's proposal, they danced to Wonderful Tonight and mm -hmm. it's like their song. So that's where I heard it from. But now I, I'm like, oh my God, I, I can't believe I didn't heard this song before. Like, listen to it. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. But yeah, most of them I, I knew. Cool. That is really cool. Did, um, oh, well, I lost my train of thought when you started talking about <laughs> wonderful tonight. <laughs> I had a question ready to go. Um, were you, when you auditioned for the role, were you mm -hmm. auditioning for this character? Is it, was it like something you, okay, I want to be an actress, but hey, I know how to sing. Or were you auditioning specifically for the singer? No, for Acapulco, it was Adriana from the very beginning. Okay. I didn't know um, because what they sent us was not on the final cut of the of the show. Mm -hmm. <laughs> We had a scene where where Maximo actually like bumps into our our music stuff and he disconnects some cables or something. And we were singing for Lionel Richie, who was supposed to be in one of the cabanas. So we get really mad at him and we're like, what you're doing? What are you doing? And I was like, Divas, <laughs> you ruined everything. Get out of my face. But it didn't make the cut in the end. It, it wasn't, it was a very long scene, but it was so much fun because I understood their, like where they're coming from. They really mm -hmm. think of their of themselves as stars, right. <laughs> even if they're <laughs> just singing by the pool with kids jumping around and like nobody cares, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> they're, to them, they're playing to a packed stadium audience. Yeah. Exactly. Definitely. Yeah. So I, I'm curious, <laughs> in preparation for this role, did you go back and revisit performances of like some of your favorite artists? You mentioned Britney Spears, Is there any, you know, Latina divas that you went back and watched and say, okay, I want to try to channel that into my performance? <laughs> I mean, one of the songs that we sing, which is Karma Chameleon, had an, a translation in Spanish that was made in the 80s. And Judy, she's a famous Mexican mm -hmm. singer, made it famous. But we had to do a lot, actually, with our vocal coach. We had a lot of homework to do, like... For this song, I want you to listen to this specific singer from the 80s. And we were listening to Mexican singers from Mexico, oh, okay. not, not from the States. 
so that we could like imitate in a way the style that that Mexicans were listening to in the 80s. Right. right. And I I really like that my parents listened to the soundtrack and they're like, this sounds a lot a lot like Timiriche was was the name of the of the band. And I'm like, that's exactly what we were trying to do. <laughs> so it was a lot of fun because the 80s were crazy. People did a lot of fun stuff and like they they didn't think about it a lot. It was just a fun time and it was so much fun taking our our like creative vibes into that world. You say a lot of fun and the show is a lot of fun. Was it as fun to make as it as it looks from the outside? It seems like all the whole cast had a lot of fun together. Was it as fun to make the the show? I mean, you were on the resort for what, seven months, I think? No, it was three, but three it months, felt okay. like seven. <laughs> <laughs> Because <laughs> we were in a bubble, we were quarantining, yeah. we were all together. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. I actually talked to Caleb, which was one of the uh, guest stars in in episode two, and I was telling him when we finished shooting, I I felt like it, I haven't seen you. I like you came to Puerto Vallarta a year ago. It felt so long ago. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> when. That's how it felt, but it wasn't. And it was a lot of fun. We became a family. It was, mm-hmm. everyone was happy to be there. There was actually the, the actors who came and they were just participating in one or two episodes. They were like, this is a fun, a fun game. <laughs> <laughs> because the, it was something weird for them. I don't know if it was the mixture because we were like, Mexican and American actors together and from mm-hmm. Colombia um, the the actress who plays Julia is from Colombia Rafael Cebrian who plays Hector the protector is from Spain so we were all uh, very happy to be together and a lot of cultures like mixing there and it was a lot of fun we were we enjoyed ourselves there and we were very welcoming like (laughs) with the the new actors coming so yeah it wasn't just like this like it looks on the series it really was fun nice yeah really cool that's awesome and and, um so i have a question for you regarding musical theater so as you know as you're a singer and actress is there a particular role that is like a dream role that you you would love to be able to play um, you know, that maybe you've, you've dreamt of that, you know, maybe it'll happen one day if we put it out into the universe. <laughs> I mean, uh, not, a, not an, a specific role, but I would love to be on a Lin-Manuel Miranda show. Okay. That's, I so think I. that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's the dream. I mean, yeah. everything he does is, is amazing. And I would love to be, uh, part of the world he creates where, with Hamilton, it was like, you can tell the story with such a diverse cast and it's amazing. And it's, he's telling it in a different way. And that would be like a dream come true for me, but a specific role, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. I yeah. There's really, so many roles yeah, out it's there. Hard. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I, I would love to do a contemporary show. The classics I love, but I don't know if I see myself in, in any of them, in any of those. 
<laughs> that is cool. I mean, I, I have a musical theater background as well. So in high school, I was all in that. So yeah, I could totally see myself being in a Lin-Manuel Miranda's production. So if he's listening, hey, <laughs> come on, you got two people, right? <laughs> we can do it. <laughs> but hey, mainly no I can't see. I'll, I'll promise to buy a ticket. <laughs> <laughs> No that's, one wants to hear that's great. <laughs> the support. <laughs> so what right now is in your, um, what do you enjoy in the entertainment world right now? What are you spending time on or watching or listening to? Currently? Well, Succession is out. Succession. So Season three, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's obviously on my list. And I've been watching uh, Sex Education, obviously the morning show and Ted Lasso, (laughs) (laughs) which Ted Lasso is like out of the world. It was like when when people started comparing Acapulco to Ted Lasso, it was like, what? (laughs) Wow, that's (laughs) some high praise. Yeah, exactly. That was insane to me because I admire that show so much and people just. Well, they're not thinking about it as, oh, Acapulco is this, like, the way I see it is something I worked in, so it makes it more real for me. And Ted Lasso is like, oh, my God, Jason Sudeikis, I, I, it's like another world. <laughs> <laughs> so seeing them, like, together and people, because Cristo, the, the actor who plays uh, Dani Rojas, mm-hmm. is actually doing things with Eugenio Derbez to like uh, make Acapulco and Ted Lasso like a partnership or I don't know. Oh, hey, why not? <laughs> I don't know what they're planning, but it just became very real that we're like on the same platform and people people are saying that these two series are feel-good series which, mm-hmm. with a lot of heart and they're mm-hmm. like very similar and, and people saying like, if you don't know what to watch after watching Ted Lasso, go and watch Acapulco. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> That's insane because I love Ted Lasso. That's so, really yeah. Cool. Those are the shows I've been. I, I actually, today I, I finished You. Okay. From Netflix. I've, yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah. It's really intense and I don't know why I'm so obsessed with it. <laughs> but it's one of those like guilty pleasures like oh my god. It's it's out. But yeah, that's that's not regularly my kind of show. But yeah. Cool. So so what is next for Rosana? What 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 are your your next projects or if you can talk about them or maybe give a hint on what you're working on? Well, I've been I've been doing a lot of uh, auditions, casting. I don't know how you say it in mm-hmm. English because mm-hmm. here auditions, auditions yeah. are for theater. But yeah, I've been auditioning for a lot of things here in Mexico. But mostly I've been working on things with Acapulco and for a huge transition my husband and I are making because we want to go to the States and work uh-huh. there. Nice. Yeah, but it's a very long process, and now I realize it's it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm really focused right now on on getting um, those like all the paperwork and the visas and everything. Mm-hmm. 
but I, I'm, I'm auditioning. I, I don't have anything confirmed. I might be participating in a movie that's shooting on November, but it's not for sure yet. Very cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, but I'm, I'm sure excited you- about moving to the States. That's, that's, that was like my dream since I was a little girl, but I think now's the right moment to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, we need more diversity in Hollywood. So please, please yeah. come. <laughs> you do, you do. Mexicanos <laughs> and Mexicanas, Latinas in the film industry. So once you get over here, I'll have your welcome party ready for you. <laughs> Yay! It's here, huh? It's, it's on it's, film, yeah. It's on film and it's recorded, so. <laughs> I'll make sure I'll hold them to that, yeah. Okay, I'll be waiting for it. I'll let you know. <laughs> that is cool. Well, I think... If everyone, if you haven't seen Alcapulco, they should probably put pause on this interview. Go watch it. <laughs> then we'll be right here when you come back and and really enjoy it. And I just want to say again, thank you so very much for, for taking some time. I know it, we're, I'm in Las Vegas, Gabe's in San Diego, and you're in Mexico City. So we're a globally uniting here, at least in North America, to um, connect and and talk about these things. So I think that's really cool. And I do appreciate your time spending it here with us to to talk a little bit about yourself and and how what your motivation is and what's going on in the future so thank you again rosana for spending some time with us today no thank you guys i'm so happy i could do this i've, I've been doing interviews in spanish for the show and whatever and this is the first one i do in english oh, so yeah. i'm happy yeah. <laughs> i'm happy that I, that I did it because this is acapulco this is what acapulco is about like sharing with the different uh like especially like the united states and mexico since we're like Mm -hmm. um (laughs) just around the corner so now i dare you to learn the classics in spanish now you have them so learn them because i've been singing in english even when i didn't know what i was saying so now it's your turn to listen to rocky like a hurricane and learn the lyrics in spanish my family is gonna regret that you said that because i will be singing in the car nonstop. believe me my poor dogs That's the magic. What, what do you think my mom thought when I was screaming out loud Britney Spears songs without knowing what I was saying and probably not doing it right? <laughs> well, that's that's the thing. That's the magic. So let's do it. One so last again, it was so great to meet you. Um, for for those of our fans that want to connect with you via social media, um, what's your Twitter handle? Are you on Instagram? Um, where can they see more of you? Yeah, in in all social media, they can they can find me as Rosana with double S, not double N. R O S S A N A, Rosana de Leon, and that's how they they can find me in social Perfect. media. Excellent, excellent. Well, thank you again. Yeah, thanks again, Rosana. Rosana, <laughs> can make sure I emphasize that for you. Thanks again for joining us, and it was it was a it was a thrill to be able to talk to one of the actresses and see the joy that they had when they they talk about the show because you know you could tell just by how much she enjoys talking about it. She really loved that being a part of that show, being be able to create that, and I think that's that's something special when people um, 
feel a passion for their characters or a passion for a project that they're involved with, it just emanates on their face and you can see them light up when they talk about it. So I think that was really cool that she was able to spend some time with us. Yeah, it's a fun show. Um, she was a delight to talk to, um, really fun person. And so um, hopefully, I mean, there's a lot of great buzz around this show, a lot of comparisons being made to to another of Apple's show, Ted Lasso. And so hopefully mm-hmm. um, we get to see a second season and get to see where those characters um, kind of move on into the future. I mean, it'd be kind of interesting to see them kind of catch up in the decades, like 80s, 90s, 2000s. That would be cool. Um, yeah. So it, it would be really cool and, and to, to see that. So um, congratulations to Rosanna again on the success of the show. Um, and, uh, it's really, you know, just another example of, you know, this is a theme that we've been talking about within the last couple episodes of our podcast is, you know, Latino excellence. And, uh, I think mm-hmm. that this show is exemplifies a lot of great actors, comedic talent within the Latino community, um, which kind of brings us to the topic of, of this episode of our podcast, which is um, sort of the the end of our Hispanic Heritage Month focus, um, where we're going to be talking about sort of the legendary Latinx people that are uh, making uh, a note within pop culture as of as of today. Um, we talked about past, right. and, and going forward. Right. Yeah. yeah. Some of the stuff that we grew up on, some of the people that we really um, enjoyed watching. Um, and so let's go ahead and get into it. Um, so who are some of the people that you wanted to highlight this episode, Denny? Well, um, so some of the people I thought of for like, who, what's the future of like a Latinx influence in pop culture? And I highlighted, I wrote a couple of people down just because, you know, I would forget their names if I didn't. <laughs> and it's, so like the first one is like Jorge Gutierrez. It, to me, he he embodies um, – he's the creator of Book of Life and uh, also the creator of the new Netflix series Maya and the Three. And his style, you know, it has that um, very cartoonish style in a way. If you've seen the movie Book of Life or trailers for Maya and the Three, you know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. And it's, it's really specific to him. And it's – I think he's one of the ones that's going to be leading like um, Latinx or Hispanic influence into the future. Mm-hmm. Just his storytelling style, his all that he brings to it. And I just really appreciate him and I'm glad that I get to see some of his work. Yeah, I think that people that create content for not just adults, but also for younger people have such a huge impact on the future because they have mm-hmm. a whole generation of young people watching their movies and their shows. And yeah. that impacts their aesthetic, their perspectives, their their, you know, their view on art and um, you're going to see people that are growing up watching his content and then they're going to, you know, then they're going to evolve in a different way. And that's going to be really mm-hmm. interesting to see. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the the things or the people that I wanted to highlight were, you know, p- people that are really popular. I mean, I didn't go for anyone really obscure, um, but people that, that I really like. <laughs> um, so one of the people that I wanted to um, highlight is Demi Lovato. Um, who is Latina and is uh, a Latinx person. Um, I think that um, in recent years, she has really emerged as someone who has really great vocals. Um, Initially, I Mm -hmm. didn't really think of her as like a singer. I thought of her more as like a pop star, but she's really developed into like a really powerhouse vocalist. And um, outside of that, I think that I really respect that not only is she 
you know, a pop star, but she is also, and I, you know what, let me apologize because I believe that she actually, that they go by they pronouns. Um, so I apologize for using she, but, um, to correct myself, they, um, are, are an advocate for mental health, for, um, Mm -hmm. you know, being able to overcome drug addiction, um, self-care, and it's really powerful for someone who has such a big platform to be able to show yeah. their, you know, weaknesses, if you will, especially within the um, Latinx community where uh, mental health awareness is is not, you know, maybe something that is looked upon positively, um, that it's sort of a sign True. of weakness. Um, to have Demi Lovato speak about it openly and honestly is really great. So um, that's why I sort of... Uh, declare them as an icon for the Latino community um, because they are are someone that is very influential and not only talented, but really doing some positive things within the community. I agree. I agree completely. I mean, Dancing with the Devil, that album is just fantastic. And that's what I first really began to um, keen in on their voice Mm -hmm. was that. Yeah, who else is on your um, list? Next, yeah, next up for me um, was is Zoe Saldana. Now, she's um actress. You know, you probably know her best as, like, Gamora mm-hmm. with all the green makeup on and everything. So you can't really tell that she's um, Latina. But she's also been in, like, Colombiana, yeah. which is another great movie. Um, and she does the voices in both of uh, Jorge Gutierrez's work, Book of Life and Maya and the Three. And the thing that I really enjoy about what I saw coming up for her was the spelling of her name of her last name, which might sound, um, you know, not that big of a deal, but if you look back at like guardians of the galaxy movie, Colombiana or any of her past movies, it was always spelled S A L D A N A Saldana. And now with Maya and the three, Jorge Gutierrez made it a point that she would have the Enye over her in her last name. So now it, people can realize it's actually Saldana. So they know that her roots are in the Hispanic culture. So I really appreciate that from both of them. Mm -hmm. And I really think it's, she is something that's going to be, she is someone that's going to be driving the, and carrying the mantle of the Latinx Hispanics into the future. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I agree with you. I think that she's a very important actress. I'm very talented. Um, I love her work within the MCU. I'm excited to see what happens to her character in the new Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, I would love to see her without makeup. I mean, she's in, you know, two of the biggest box office movies uh, Mm -hmm. in Avatar and in Guardians of the Galaxy. True. um, She's in makeup, you know, pretty much head to toe. So I'd love to be able to see her beautiful face without all that makeup on. Uh, and represent, uh, you know, her uh, Latinx beauty. But uh, someone else that that is um, on my list that is um, really kind of making the rounds um, today is um, Oscar Isaac and Pedro Pascal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of mm-hmm. use them as, as a couple because they're like best friends. Um, I just read a, yeah. uh, a tweet that someone asked um, Oscar – you know, if you could make a uh, a space movie, who would it be with? And he's like, "Oh, my my girlfriend Pedro. Like we're sisters. Like that's my <laughs> sister. Like it's always Pedro. Like mm-hmm. I love him." And I, I just love that they're like buddies and they're just really good friends. And uh, 
you know, they're both in a lot of really uh, high visible work um, for for Disney, mm-hmm. and uh, they're just you know, were they in Narcos together? Um, I I want I don't know if they're in it together. Uh, separate ones yeah um but they're definitely like leading man material and you don't really get to see a lot of latino men um play like leading roles within action films or uh you know within films period i guess um so it's really cool to see them um you know being becoming really successful in like mandalorian and in dune and um a lot of really big highly visible movies so yeah, Oscar Isaac was in Star Wars as well. Mm-hmm. So they were both in a space movie, just in different maybe time frames within that yeah. universe. But yeah, it's really good choices. Yeah, I I would even group Diego Luna in there as well, but just because you know the Star Wars connection with him as well. Yeah. Um, for me, another performer, entertainer, actor, singer is uh, Anthony Ramos. Now you know him from like Hamilton mm-hmm. or In the Heights. He also has a new album that he released, I think, a month or so ago. And I think he is another um, actor that is going to be just the future. I really do. I think he is a another bright star. And, and whatever he seems to touch seems to just, you know, blow up and go huge. So I think it's – I'm looking forward to seeing what other projects he's involved with. So that's another one of my lists is Anthony Ramos. Have you heard his his recent album? I think I brought it up on one of our podcasts. Uh, yeah, you did. Yeah. And it it's it's so good. It, it's like um, kind of like a throwback to like 90s R&B, which mm-hmm. is like a refreshing mm-hmm. kind of – I mean not as – I wouldn't say refreshing sound, but like refreshing in the sense that it's like different from the music that's being released, you know, in pop music right now. Um, so it was just kind of a yeah. fun record to put on and listen to. Um, so yeah, I agree with with your assessment. I think he is a really talented <laughs> young Latino actor. Um, so just to kind of name uh, some other people, um, you know, we we mentioned earlier from Acapulco, Eugenio Derbez. Um, he's he's sort of, I mean, he's already above icon status. I mean, I think that a lot of maybe American, you know. Caucasian Americans or, you know, Americans don't really know about him, but he's a box office, you know, powerhouse oh, he's, in yeah, Mexico. He's, um, phenomenal. he's, you know, been in uh, a lot of movies like Instructions Not Included uh, that mm-hmm. have made a lot of money within the United States and now going into Acapulco. Um, he's just someone that is, uh, I think, similar to like Tyler Perry, someone that who is going to produce and direct and create more opportunities for Latino actors uh, moving forward. So he is definitely up there. Um, someone else that is also kind of doing more work behind the camera is um, Eva Longoria, who is, I think, directing her mm-hmm. first uh, first movie. And it's going to be about, um, I think, the man that like created Hot Cheetos, um, which is like a really interesting okay. story. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah. And she also did like Devious Maids on Lifetime and a couple documentaries. Um, but she is someone who is um, going into like a power position. I think that like actors is like being an actor is sort of the glamorous side of like Hollywood industry where you're in front of the camera. Like that's where you get all the attention. But like 
a lot of times the power is really in like the producing and the directing aspect of it and being able to mm-hmm. create more opportunity for people within the community. And I think that that's what um, she is also doing. Um, and so I, I applaud her for that. So she's someone that I really respect. She's not only is she like gorgeous, but she's also extremely intelligent. I think she graduated with like from USC. Um, so she's a really smart, intelligent person who is representing our community really well. And then lastly, that I want to mention is Salma Hayek, who has been a mainstream in like pop culture. She's mm-hmm. made so many good movies, uh, but she's coming out with the Eternals, um, which is, I mean, there is a caveat, like she's not really portraying like a Mexican woman because she's an alien um, or an eternal, but to have a Mexican actress portraying a character within the MCU universe is like a big deal. Um, It looks like it's going to be an amazing movie, like the sort of first response to people who have seen it are saying that it's like amazing. Uh, And so Mm -hmm. she, again, is like an icon. I love Salma Hayek. She is... Again, someone who's producing, directing behind the scenes, um, also and is like a really power player within Hollywood, especially like as a woman and as a Latino woman. Um, she's overcome a lot of obstacles, and um, I really respect her. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, she's <laughs> she, <laughs> she is she is fantastic. I mean from all the movies that she's made. I mean, Frida, you know, going back to from dust till dawn, going to like Desperado and, you know, and going forward with everything that she's done. I remember was it fool's rush in with Matthew Perry, you know, that little rom-com movie. And it's just, she is such a talented actress and you're absolutely right. She is, she is fantastic. The final one on my list is, um, we talked about him in the interview Someone that I'll mention again because hopefully now he's listening is Lin Manuel Miranda. <laughs> I think if I could be anyone else, if I died and came back as anyone else, I would be want to be him because he is just so creative. He is just so talented from In the Heights, Hamilton, uh, Moana, Mary Poppins Returns. Um, what else is there? The new one, Tick Tick Boom, which tells the story of Jonathan Larson the gentleman who created rent and it just tells his story that's coming out soon. Um, it's just, he is just so great. And I think that any list that involves Latinx or Hispanic creators, he needs to be at the top of it. He really does. And I am so glad that we get to enjoy his, his, um, creative genius. Cause there's no other way to put it. He is just a creative genius. Yeah. Yeah, you you definitely have to respect his creativity and and the opportunity that he's provided for other um, people of color within the industry. Uh, you know the diversity that was within Hamilton and in the Heights, mm-hmm. and um, you know really reflected in all of his work is really commendable. Um, that like as he becomes more aligned with Hollywood, that he doesn't turn his back on the community and like start casting like you know an all white. <laughs> movie you know <laughs> starting him. So, um, so that I, I really respect him as well I'm, I'm using the word respect a lot um this episode apparently but um it's true i really do 
you know, look up to these individuals because they've accomplished a lot. Um, and it's not an easy task for, you know, people within the Hispanic or Latinx community um, to be able to overcome the obstacles that are in front of us to, you know, to become successful in the Hollywood industry. So props to all of them. Uh, and, yeah, you know, I, I definitely uh, there is one other person that that, you know, I think that that we can um, now share that that uh, we're going to be interviewing. And that's uh, Terry Blass, who is a writer yes. within the comic book industry. Um, the comic books industry mm-hmm. is like really having a boom when it comes to diversity and representation. Uh, they yeah. you, know, you see a lot of superheroes that are people of color that are um, LGBT that that, you know, weren't necessarily represented in in such large numbers um in the past and that definitely excites me as a comic book fan and and you know definitely seeing myself reflected in the pages of of comics is amazing it's something that i'd never really even dreamed that would happen um and you see it in uh his comic book reptile uh, and also in a lot of his other work i just finished reading um his graphic novel hotel dare which i really recommend um, we, yeah, we'll this sounds that phenomenal in, in our special interview with Cam. Um, mm-hmm. but we also, um, you had the opportunity to talk to someone who is, um, a scholar and professor in the world of, of comedy. Right. Um, so, you know, why don't you go ahead and, and, uh, introduce that, that conversation, Danny. Right. So you mentioned Terry Blass and he's most recent work that's going to be coming out on November 10th is Marvel voices communidades. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, Hispanic Latinx characters. And it's, I think it's an anthology of like four different stories from four different writers, but the introduction to that book was written by a scholar, um, by the name of Frederick Louis Aldama, also known as professor Latinx, or as he would call himself, professor Latin which I think is really cool. So I reached out to professor Latinx to, you know, chat with us about, what the future was or where he saw the state of Latinx superheroes in mainstream comics. Cause that's the title of one of his books that he's written over like 36 books, I think. So let's go ahead and let's welcome uh, professor Latinx to the show. This is uh, Dr. Per- Frederick Louis Aldama. Welcome to the show, professor X, professor Latinx. How should I call you today? Let's go with to either prophet. X or Professor Latin X or Professor Latin X, if we want to go ah, like Professor Latin X, I like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, thanks, Danny, uh, Daniel, uh, Pop Cult X. I'm so happy to be here. Let's let's do this. Yeah. So so just to, just to give people a brief overview of your background, you're your professor. You're actually the chair of the humanities, founder and director of a Latin pop. Latinx Pop Lab in um, for the University of Texas in Austin. Um, you're the adjunct professor, distinguished university professor at the U- Ohio State University. Oh, sorry. It's called the Ohio State University. I think that's how people refer to it. Um, you teach courses on Latinx comics, TV, film, and departments of English and radio television. And at the Ohio State University, you're also a distinguished university professor in arts and humanities. You're a distinguished professor of English. Um, a scholar, alumni there, as well as a recipient of the Rodica Baldwin Award for Distinguished Teaching and Mentoring and the Susan yeah. M. Hartman Mentoring and Leadership Award. 
that's that's quite a list. I think I can yeah. keep going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no. Thanks for even um, going that far down the list. Um, <laughs> I usually stop at like my name. and um, um, <laughs> um, But yeah, no, I'm really excited to be here. Um, I'm excited to be um, in Austin, uh, you know, building the Latinx Pop Lab, teaching comics there, doing um, Latinx pop culture and as a graduate seminar. Yeah, all the things that I love. I mean, can you imagine, uh, Daniel, here I am, like, you know, the things that I love to do in my free time and that I've that have had a huge influence in me as a person, I get to like teach wow, yeah. and get paid for it. <laughs> that's that's a that's the icing on the top of the cake there. I mean, it's something you love doing. And I could, if you like me, and it's a passion, if it's a passion of yours, you love to tell other people about it. So here you are getting to teach that. That is just so awesome and so wonderful. And tell me a little bit more how, so you were born in Mexico City. Is that correct? Is that what I read? And then you moved moved to California as a child. How has, do you think that's really shaped your um, curiosity into Latinx pop culture has it been something that's been the main driving force of that yeah no it's a great question um um you know daniel because especially well actually i mean you see it today as well as you did in my generation but the pressures to assimilate are just huge right mm-hmm. and Very true. yeah you can talk a lot about that right i mean um and um, and so sometimes we have to claw our back, back into that space of like who we are. And, um, you know, sometimes that for some of us, we have to wait as long as college, like sometimes, right? Like mm-hmm. those courses in college that you're like, what, you know, like <laughs> with your last name, you're like, where did my, where did that Z go at Juarez, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, you know, I'm going to go find this out now. I have time. And there's someone like a teacher that's has been kind of like woke me to my Latinidad. Well, you know, I like, um, you know, moving from uh, as a kid from Mexico city. So my mom is Irish Guatemalan American and my dad's Mexican from Mexico city. Um, when she brought us back to California, it was because, you know, things didn't work out with my dad. And, um, you know, she saw the way we were t- treated at school. And mm, okay. that's when she's like, I'm going to go and put myself, even though I've got a couple of kids that I have to raise on my own now, I'm going to go back to, I'm going to go to school to mm-hmm. become a bilingual ed teacher because I don't want this to happen to not just my kids, but other kids, right? Gotcha, right. So there was always that really strong sense of her strength and leadership. And then finally, as a teacher, kind of role model in my life. And, you know, we were never, when I came home crying because the teacher told me that I wasn't Mexican, I'm like, you know, what's up with that? And I was really oh, upset because she was really aggressive with me. My mom was like, no, you're, you're Mexican, you know, don't let anybody else tell you how you self-identify. And, you know, that kind of stayed with me. Like, don't ever let anybody else tell you, Daniel, how you self-identify. Now we may be, you know, light-skinned, 
mixed the two of, you know both of us right our we have mm-hmm. ancestry that's mixed we're both light-skinned but you know what we identify the way we identify and nobody else Very can true. tell us how that's going to happen so you know it's interesting like when i got to college there was no doubt like i'm like i'm latino i'm latinx you know which came later of course but um i'm mexican i'm guatemalan all of those things and um someone um told me uh a fellow latino student like you know you you're not latino you're not chicano enough and i'm like please like <laughs> i get it from the white people and i'm getting it from the brown folks look right. just like don't tell me how my life and who i am and i'm not mm-hmm. i'm not doing that with you it's funny sorry daniel but this has raised so many things in the piece on marvel that dropped on friday um which mm-hmm. was super awesome um you know it's like i know you got a lot out of it and but there are so many in the twitter sphere so many latinos that are like why are you saying marvel or professor latinx that we should be identifying latinx i'm like i never told you that that's how you should self-identify you can self-identify whatever you want (laughs) martian if i for all i care if that's if that's what you are like feeling if that's your soul Mm -hmm. you know i Mm -hmm. don't like i'm not i'm not imposing any of that stuff on you i would never do something like that you know find your power where your empowerment where you you most like feel grounded and most feel like your soul kind of echoes and speaks to you know yeah definitely and it's that I did see that Marvel piece and that is what attracted me to you is that, is that, and I saw, and I did see some of those comments and so I know what you're referring to and you're absolutely right. You never said anything. You, that's just how you feel about yourself. And, and that's how you want everyone to do just go, you know, how do you feel about yourself? And I appreciate that because it's, it's, it's been a struggle for me to I figure out where I want to identify as. And I read a comment recently that went, um, said that don't don't see yourself as half Mexican or half what a Russian Jewish whatever you're wholly Mexican and you're wholly Russian and once I've thought about that concept more it is true just embrace it wholly and I'll be so much better for that absolutely you know um it is you speak we need to speak from where we come with confidence and joy and vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And that is like from where we come exactly like you just said. And, you know, the, when we start to feel hesitant and we are unsure, then we're not role modeling for future gens in the way that we should that's be. You true. know what I mean? Yeah, that's yeah. very true. Very true. And I'm glad you brought up future generations because I think that's been is one of the topics or one of the ideas I had for our conversation was how do we see ourselves being role models for those future generations, especially as it comes to pop culture items, as as we see like the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the DC version of it as they try and do their best to get on par with Marvel. Um where do we see, do we see that shift of those film houses becoming more inclusive intentionally? Or is it something that's saying, oh, we have to jump on board with this? Or is it, is it, do you think it's just something that's naturally going that way? 
Yeah, that's a great question, um, pop cultex Daniel, because, <laughs> you know, there are people that are really, there are people on the ground in Marvel who care, who are woke, if we're going to use that term, um, who are making a difference. And in mm -hmm. fact, Marvel's voices is a result of that. Yeah. So if I can give a shout out to Angelique Rocher, she's she's the kind of genius behind, you know, really like pushing that out into the world and diversifying our superheroes in this really uh, concerted way, concentrated way. There are others like her. Now, to your other point, however, is this is the bottom line here on the part of like Marvel executives, Marvel profit kind of margins money yeah of course <laughs> yeah. it's money right? <laughs> right um but does that does that mean that what's produced is any less significant or valuable maybe not um depending on what we finally get you know one of the comments that was um that i made in that interview for marvel and robin was brilliant i love you know the way she kind of you mm -hmm. know um steered that interview but um, was, and we didn't have space to, to keep it, but was, um, you know, where is our Wakanda? Where is our, uh, you know, Michael mm -hmm. Pena and Ant-Man mm -hmm. and the Wasp, he, he tells, you know, there's that moment when he's like, where's my superhero costume? Like, yeah. you know, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, you know, Michael Pena as Luis, as our Latino in, on the big tent, big Marvel MCU screen. We want to see him as our protagonist, mm -hmm. our superhero, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I love that. I love that that line is there. And I I guarantee you he, Michael Pena, kind of like <laughs> put that in there. Um uh so that's the big question. Yeah, we we still don't have our white tiger, right? We still don't have our America Chavez, we don't have our ghost writer. I mean, yeah. Ghost Rider appeared in the TV series very quickly in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., you know, little things like that that I mentioned in the in interview. But we haven't had our Wakanda moment. Yeah, that's true. Very true. I didn't even think about that, that we haven't had that. That people can look and say, hey, that's me. That's us right there. Yeah. Hopefully soon we'll get those on the big screen. I know I think America Chavez is I think they have plans for her coming up mm -hmm. in like um, maybe Doctor Strange, too. Yep. Hopefully. Yep. Yeah. Hopefully so, we'll you know, that. it's, it's, you know, I think that another way to look at this, Daniel is, um, you know, I don't want to say that there's necessarily chronologically a progression toward kind of better representation from like, I don't know if we go back to, you know, the seventies to today, but mm -hmm. you know, they're ruptures and then they kind of accumulate and then, I would say that yeah, we're seeing we're seeing better and more complex and more interesting stuff out there. Um, but the more money that's involved tends to mean that we have a little bit more um, constraint on innovation and kind of the way Latinidad is reconstructed in the mainstream space. So TV, we're seeing we see with Agents of Shield and other other TV shows, Runaways, you know, Disney Plus platforms, that kind of stuff. You're, we see more representation consistently, 
Um, but we're still not seeing it in the big money stuff areas, yeah. right? The big money areas. And of course, you know, Disney knows that with Coco, you know, when they do finally put us up on the big screen and, and with our, when we finally have our outfits um, and when we are finally the protagonists of the superhero story that we will not only go, we'll be taking our families and our families mm -hmm. will go and we'll be going mm -hmm. back again and again. And that's exactly what happened with Coco and why it was such yeah. a huge success. Right. Very true. Very true. Um, so you brought up Coco and I'm glad that you did because my next question for you is so stepping aside from like the superheroes a little bit, um, with creators such as like Jorge Gutierrez, who's the creator of book of life and like the new Netflix series that's coming out Maya and the three, which is deeply inspired by like Mesoamerican art have the streaming platforms, Hulu, Netflix, Disney Plus, Amazon Prime, and Peacock Network, and the list goes on. Do you think that's allowed for Latinx creators to basically expand their wings more and to show the world our culture and art? Yeah, um, you know, that's really interesting. Um, Book of Life, I love Book of Life. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm so lo looking forward to Maya and the three. Um, I loved El Tigre, you know, yeah, and... Yeah, um, I think that Jorge Gutierrez in form and his aesthetic and his style is really innovative mm -hmm. and also in his content and the storytelling. But yeah, I mean, you know, I think, you know, we're seeing like Saved by the Bell, the reboot. I love that show. It's on Peacock. And mm -hmm. one of the reasons why I love that show is that, you know, we have a Latina who is, you know, the protagonist. She's the one who's like time out, controls the narrative there's a little bit of tongue in cheek it's smarter it's like really smart tv and usually if you peel that back you see that there are latinos in the writing room there are latinos latinas latinexes um as showrunners as producers as creative directors um same thing with you know mr iglesias same thing mm -hmm. you know with mm -hmm. um a bunch a bunch of the stuff um even one day at a time hintified you know all these things that are coming that have been coming out vida there's so much um that um but we still have struggles we have challenges we have challenges getting into those writing rooms um still today in the 21st mm -hmm. century 2021 and but we you and me and other audiences are not willing to put up with it when it's garbage yeah so true. i think that's one of the big differences we know what's good we've seen it it's out there and now we're like we're not interested like don't serve us <laughs> more of that stuff that's like it's like another speedy gonzalez you know mm -hmm. like you know really lazy careless kind of um, storytelling um let's no we want the good stuff yeah i hear you i completely i completely agree with that are there any stories from like um maybe growing up from latinx folklore or stuff that you stories that you grew up hearing that you would like to see encapsulated in either comic books or films well, so this is my kid's book. It's called The Adventures of Chupacabra Charlie. And, cool. and that was one that I wanted to see, you know, mm -hmm. 
Um, uh, I've heard uh, from my grandmother about the chupacabra whenever right. our chickens and stuff were attacked and killed. And it was always like chupacabra was for me always a little <laughs> like a monster, like a mm -hmm. mangy kind of overgrown mangy cat, you know, that had fangs and would, you know, eat our chickens. And, you know, I'm like, hold on. When I was a kid, I, I started reimagining chupacabra the chupacabra as like a a superhero and that's cool <laughs> i called him charlie and he didn't have a an impala that um you know is, <laughs> is featured here um, but but he did have a hickabocker when i was a kid and he would okay. fly around and kind of save the world and so i returned to that um so yeah i mean i think we're doing it um there are many of us who are going back to stories stories that we've heard as la llorona chupacabra you mm -hmm. know um cucuy and we're re kind of framing reimagining them in a contemporary moment um for you know our kids for teens for for us adults mm -hmm. and yeah that we are that's where we're like our a lot of our superheroes are kind of grown from that space you know, I'm also thinking of people like Javi Hernandez and his El Muerto. You know, that superhero dies and goes through his journey of the underworld called Mictlan. Yeah. And comes back out and also kind of a superhero figure, Rodi Montijo um, and, you know, his stuff. I mean, there's so many where we're going back and, and creating a bigger myth mythology bigger mythos than just mm -hmm. those drawn from like norse mythology right like war yeah, yeah. and stuff and yeah we have all that and we're doing it so we're not seeing the big money like marvel and stuff you know going there but we're doing it. Mm -hmm. which is which is probably the way to get the story told right at first is to do mm -hmm. it ourselves and have those creators who grew up with that tell that story and get it out to the world at large first. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I'd rather, I'd rather get it right and put it out there than have someone kind of screw it up. And that's kind of where we go back to Jorge's work and El Tigre and, um, and Book of Life and his Maya and the three, he's very careful about the way he in weaves into his plots, his stories, mm -hmm. his characters, our deep mythologies, our more proximate cultural kind of rituals yeah. and heritage. And, you know, that makes a difference. You know, it's also why in the end, when you, when Coco finally, like the, the people behind Coco were like, oh, we better get a Latino co-director on this and we better bring in consultants that are Latino mm -hmm. so we get it right. You know, um, I saw the story before I even saw like some of some of the animatrix like storyboarding um, and it was like terrible. And but then, you know, you had Lalo and um, Umberto and others involved in the consulting and they're like, no, no, no. You know, we're going to, you know, we're here. We will make sure you guys get it right. So. You know, they are listening now, but, um, but yeah, you're right. It has, to, they, you know, it's like, I, I remember that time when um, Chris Rock at the Oscars was like, come on, you guys, Oscar's so white. Like you walk out your door in LA and it's like brown, brown <laughs> people. It's like, 
what, why, how is it so hard for you all to get it so wrong when all you have to do is like talk to your neighbor or, mm-hmm. you know, talk to mm-hmm. someone at the grocery store, you know? So, yeah. It's very cool. That's very true. That is very true. So if people wanted to learn more about you and even pick up some of your books, I know I'm interested in like two of your books that you wrote, which was the real Latinx is in representation in U.S. film and TV and Latinx superheroes in mainstream comics. Those really just popped out to me out of the many of the, I think, over 36 books that you've written or edited so far. Um, where can we learn? Where can our viewers go to learn more about you? Do you have like a website or or is it just like your Twitter? Yeah, I mean, everything's pretty much like goes back to the handle Professor Latinx. Okay. Um, so website professor is what, you know, Professor Latinx. Twitter handle, Insta handle, you know, all that stuff. Um, so yeah, that's like kind of easy, um, real easy way to find me and my work. Uh, yeah, those are, those were really great, like kind of passion projects, but also really important scholarly mm-hmm. um, books because um, so many like you, Daniel, have kind of like, wow, I had no idea. And right. thank you, you know, kind of like for systematizing and for kind of deep, digging into the archive and, and also giving it a certain kind of uh, cultural scholarly weight and respectability. Yeah, right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what I thought when I started reading the um, Latinx superheroes and mainstream comics, I was like, wow, this is more than just a fluff piece. So to speak, this yeah. has impact to it. So yeah, I'm looking forward to f- finishing reading that. So awesome, thank, man. thank you for all that you do. Thank you for taking that Professor Latinakis banner and running with it. We truly appreciate it. And personally, I do, because it's you're someone who I can look up to and, and, and just follow and say, hey, that's where I want to strive to be. So I really appreciate that you coming on here and spending some time with me today. Well, thanks, Daniel. And gosh, yeah, the, you've made my day. So <laughs> thank you. And thank Pop Cult X. So yeah, that, that, I don't want to toot my own horn, but that was a great interview. <laughs> and it's, it, it's very, I think it was very insightful, at least for me getting to speak with him yeah. and getting to speak with um, an educator who, who gets to talk about his passion for a living and teach other people about what it means to have Latinx superheroes. And I think it's really cool. And, and I think the books that he's written provide a sort of like a weightfulness to to the community so it's not just oh yeah it's just comic book writers there's no real serious education about it or educators but here he is he's written these college levels i wouldn't call them textbooks but college books on the subject and he's written some about you know real x latina x and TV, movies, you know, pop culture. And he really brings that, that um, sort of gravitas, is that the right word, to the, to the scene. So it's not just pop culture anymore. It's also into the next level of being an, a cultural icon. So yeah. I was so glad that I was able to talk to him, especially for me, because, you know, I've struggled with my whole identity in the Latinx community. And, and we got into that a little bit. And, and it was really it was really insightful. So I'm glad that I was able to do that. So thank you again to Professor Latinx for taking some time with us.
today. Yeah, absolutely. Great job talking to to him and and having that conversation. I think that you know, like you said, it's it's important for us to understand the importance of comic books and graphic mm-hmm. novels and um to to limit it to, you know, the work uh, or, you know, work that is made for children is kind of silly. Um, and it, even if it was just made for children, I think that's it's still important. I mean, it's it's super influential um, to the formation of children's minds and, and their perception of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really important for us to make sure that we have um, those works reflect our community. And I think it's it's so uplifting and it's so inspiring and um, really hopeful for the future that we're seeing so many characters emerge from, you know, Marvel, DC, you know, all mm-hmm. the independent publishers. And um, it just seems to continue to grow. Um, hopefully, you know, it won't be few and far between. It'll be, you know, major series of books that are out that have Latino Latinx characters. And we see m- more movies, more toys, uh, you know, more shows on disney plus um all of it i i can't wait to see what the future holds and and uh you know it's really exciting time right now it really is you're absolutely right and the future is bright for latinx um storytellers yeah absolutely. so we're what the largest minority within the united states so mm-hmm. it's time to start paying <laughs> attention to us and and uh yeah, and, and it's really entertaining. Like, it's really good content that's being published. So, um, you know, it's not just like a quota that's being filled. It's like really good content that is being created and it's entertaining and, you know, it's fun to to watch and to read. Um, so I recommend people to go out into the comic book stores, support all the Latino creators that are, uh, you know, mm-hmm. representing right now. Speaking of which... Yeah. And, uh, and sorry to cut you off, but you said support the Latino creators. So John Leguizamo is coming out with a new comic book mm-hmm. called Phenom X. Mm-hmm. And that is super exciting to me. I was reading about it and it just looks so interesting. And I think um, him and I think I want to say Todd McFarlane, he did the cover for the first issue and they like came together to create the character of Phenom X. So that's something I'm really looking forward to yeah. as a non-comic book buy. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. John Leguizamo is great. I mean, I, we, I think we talked about him in, in our previous episode, uh, about, mm-hmm. you know, Latinx people that we grew up watching and, and, um, influenced us. And so it's kind of cool to see him evolve into the world of comic books. I'm really excited to see what he can come up with. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of good stuff, like go to your local comic book store and not only support the store, but, um, look for, you know, the Latino Latinx books that are out there because we need to speak with our dollars and we need to support them so that, you know, Marvel and DC continues to make more opportunities for, for people and continue to publish those books. Um, if you want to, you know, need some help, uh, go back and buy issues one, two, three, and four of Reptile. Um, there's mm-hmm. a really great run um, that that is uh, written by uh, Terry Bloss. Um, you can also check out his graphic novel Hotel Dare on Amazon. Um, and then there is the upcoming uh, Marvel Voices Comunidades. It's really hard for me to say, um, which will be coming up <laughs> with uh, you know a forward from Professor Latin X himself. Um, and I think uh, Terry actually wrote a story in there for one of the characters yeah. that he created as well. So. Um, a lot of good stuff coming out. Go out, buy it, support him. 
Definitely. Yeah. And scene. We're over. <laughs> <laughs> I think we could end it right on that and everyone would applaud. No. <laughs> but I think, so support all the Latinx creators, whether it be in comic book stores, whether it be um, supporting the films, mm-hmm. um, you know, clicking on or watching on the different platforms of Latinx creators and just going out there and supporting them. I mean, you'll learn something from it. You'll enjoy it and you'll be the better person for it. Yeah. My well, I mean, even like not from this, like, like altruistic point of view, like it's it just, it's fun and it's entertaining. Like it's not, it shouldn't be a mm-hmm. chore to go and like support exactly. a Latino person that's like writing a comic book. <laughs> it's like, oh, a comic mom, book. I don't like, want to. Yeah. Like right. it's good. It's fun. It's like no different than any other comic book that's like enjoyable. I um, mean, it, it definitely is probably from a different perspective um, than what we're used mm-hmm. to. And that's good. That's like a fresh, a breath. Air, that's a good thing. Um, right. And it's revitalizing the industry. So uh, with that, I think we can close out this episode of, of uh, Pop Cult X. Um, this has been episode 30. Um, thank you so much for listening to us and for uh, you know listening to the conclusion of our Hispanic Heritage Latin X Heritage special within the last three episodes. Um, keep your eyes and ears open for a special episode that we have <laughs> with an interview that we did with uh, Terry Blass, writer um, of Reptile with Marvel Comics. Um, that will uh, be coming at you very soon. And uh, keep an eye and ear open to our social medias as well, YouTube, um, Instagram, Twitter, et cetera, et cetera. Um, any last, last words for our audience, Danny? Um, make it really profound, (laughs) really profound. (laughs) No, I will just say, if you have a ghost story that you want to share, contact us via our social media or go to our anchor podcast page and you can submit a message there. We want to share your ghost stories on our next episode. We're doing like a little Halloween episode because, you know, next, I think it's the, Next episode will be the one before Halloween if you're keeping track of dates and whatnot. But it's going to be a scary ride, I hope. So we'll see how that goes. So, yeah, look forward to seeing you guys there. Look forward to seeing all your likes, seeing your feedback, seeing you share because um, we do it so you guys can enjoy it. Even though we enjoy talking about it. But, you know, it's nice to know that you guys enjoy it as well. Thumbs up. So stay safe, everyone. (laughs) Bye.